Hello and welcome to the TV Arc on the Arc of E Network. My name is Noah and this is our coverage of Here and Now, Season 1, Episode 4, entitled Hide and Seek. Up front, once again, I've got to apologize for the lateness uh, of this particular podcast. This one seems to keep falling by the wayside, uh, not intentionally, but uh, this past Sunday was, of course, Oscar Sunday. And that was a four-hour telecast, which I followed via Twitter because ABC would not let me live stream it. That's a whole other conversation. And you can actually hear part of that conversation over on the movie arc feed. Uh, also, up front, we're already hearing uh, a little bit of background noise from our unofficial co-host, Fife Dog. Uh, hopefully, he will calm down. I've got to get to this because the next episode airs in like two nights. So, okay, it is uh, currently 12.30 in the a.m. on Saturday. March 10th, so yeah, we're, we're very close to episode 5, so I had to get this one in under the wire, and uh, yeah, so we had Oscar Sunday, and I recorded with Gavin, my brother, on Tuesday, which is not our usual schedule, but we had to fit it in somewhere because we needed to do our Oscar wrap-up. We also recorded a new music arc, which I will start editing as soon as I have this thing up, uh, but in the meantime, we've also had a brand new episode uh, of Lost in the Folds, which is available on the Music Arc that just launched yesterday. And again, go check out the Oscar wrap-up and some other random banter between myself and Gavin over on the Movie Arc feed. So go listen, rate, review, subscribe there. Uh, before we get into episode four, uh, I actually have our first bit of feedback uh, for the Here and Now coverage, and I'm going to read you a little email uh, right now. So, I received this after episode 3 went up, uh, very shortly after episode 3 went up. So, yeah, here we go. Noah, appreciate your podcast recaps on Here and Now. Thoughtful, ask all the right questions, and you pick up on details in a really great way. And the critique is articulate, curious, and fair, which I appreciate. Enjoying it so far, I'm a fan. Hope you see it through to the end. Believe it or not, shooting slash faking deer poop in real life is in many ways more complicated than the CGI deer smiley face. Be well, Muhammad. This email, listeners, is from none other than the writer of episode three, If a Deer Shits in the Woods, Mr. Muhammad El Masri. And I was kind of floored that, again, the only piece of feedback I've received on this show thus far is from a writer of the episode. Uh, Muhammad is also the story editor for the entire series. Uh, So, I was, you know, floored, fantastic response, of course. I emailed him back immediately uh, to thank him and apologize profusely because I did not shout him out by name in episode three, and I'm going to try and correct that going forward, and we'll be charting the directors and the writers of each episode. So, uh, yeah, but on that note, I emailed uh, Muhammad back, and again, Muhammad, uh, if I'm mispronouncing your last name, please yell at me in an email, let me know, but Muhammad El Masri and uh, emailed him back, thanked him, and also asked if he would be interested in possibly guesting on the show uh, after, you know, the series has wrapped, or the season has wrapped, rather, and uh, we can do kind of a a season wrap-up, talk a little more openly, because I felt like if we tried to schedule something sooner, it would be a lot of me, oh, where is this going, and oh, well, we need to wait for a couple more episodes, so uh, graciously, he responded uh, very shortly after, and he said, you know, hit me up closer to the final uh, air date and we'll, we'll set something up. So the plan is to 
get him on here in a Skype session, and we'll talk about season one when it wraps. So uh, I still can't believe that this is actually happening, hopefully, and uh, hope you're enjoying this episode. Again, Mohammed, sorry I got it up late, uh, but again, so, uh, so thankful that you listened and checked it out and sent some feedback. Great to hear from an actual creator of the show. So that was amazing. Uh, I'll keep you guys posted on when he's going to be coming on in the future, but uh, I look forward to it. So without further ado, let's jump in to episode four entitled Hide and Seek. And again, uh, it seemed to work pretty well last week. We'll just go with the uh, HBO description as our kind of guideline and we'll work our way through there. So Greg and Audrey look to the past to find financing for the Empathy Initiative, okay? So, uh, as we saw in the last episode, of course, Audrey lost the funding for her Empathy Initiative at the school. So, rather than uh, laying down and, you know, going out without a fight, she has kind of a rousing uh, conversation with Greg in the opening of this episode where it's like, no, you don't have to lay down. Let's try and find some private financing. You know, we've got a lot of rich friends. Who can we ask? And they run down the list and they eventually come to a name of a a former acquaintance of theirs that they knew back in the day uh, and apparently was rather attracted to Audrey. And, you know, there could have been something there. And we get, you know, her saying to Greg, well, that could never happen. I'm yours. And of course, in the back of our heads, we're thinking, well, uh, what about uh, the escort or on that? in a little bit. So uh, this essentially sends Audrey on an odyssey of a little a little bit of self-discovery and a little bit of reevaluation about where her life is at at this point. And the, you know, the first handful of episodes have been more centrally focused on Greg and his current anxiety and angst over uh, his current place. And now it seems like we're zeroing a little bit more in on Audrey. Basically through the course of this episode, she has kind of a a Ruth Fisher-esque awakening to, uh, you know, could I have done more with my life? And feeling like she kind of watched people around her, including Greg with his book and all that success and other famous friends they had in literary and philosophizing circles, uh, philosophy circles, uh, she kind of feels like she, you know, settled at a certain point. And Greg, of course, later in the episode points out, you know, you raised a family, that's one of the most important things you can do, but she can't help but feel like, you know, she never really reached her true calling. So she's really reevaluating a lot of things. And this kind of personal journey also is punctuated with an interaction with Ashley at her office. And uh, this was a little uncomfortable. Uh, Audrey says to her, you know, I, I envy you for not having tried to, you know, make the world a better place. It must be so much easier. And she says this, you know, very thoughtlessly about how it's going to come off. She's very clearly not self-aware in the moment. And we see exactly how that hits Ashley. And we're getting a lot more fleshing out to, you know, some of the history between these characters and where the tension is going to come from, where it lies, so to speak. So, yeah, I think we hit all the uh, big Audrey points for the episode. We'll move right along in the episode description. Uh, Kristen partners with Fareed's son in a school project and learns there's more to him than meets the eye. So, of course, we've seen in the previous episode that Kristen has been kind of unfairly lumped in with the uh, non-minority students and her support is not wanted. So, it's a little bit of tension there with her and Fareed's son to begin with in the episode. And uh, 
He makes kind of a passing joke at her in the hall. She does not find it funny. Move on to a classroom scene where we introduce a kid that may or may not have been in the background. Maybe I just haven't been paying that much attention to the school scenes, but uh, Kristen seems very interested in him, and he seems to be uh, feeling her, so to speak. And uh, they're hoping to get picked for this uh, video project, which they do not. She gets paired with Farid's son, whose name escapes me at the moment, and I will look up at some point in this cast. Anyways, um... We move along, and they are, of course, paired up. And later on, uh, Kristen comes to the Shikrani household and is introduced to the gender-fluid uh, son. And, you know, it's I have a lot of feelings about this scene. Uh, Kristen is... Uh, giving me, uh, again, not to always bring it back to six feet under, but the way she responds to this reminded me a lot of some moments with Claire in uh, Six Feet Under. Specifically, there's a uh, a scene, I believe it's season one, where a gangbanger has been uh, brought in. And, uh, David has a particular connection with the guy, I remember that. And basically there's some, some ruffians about, if you will, uh, in the funeral home. And she gets into a conversation with one of them who's like, oh, you, you know, do you want to come down to be hard? Or, I mean, she's got, you know, it's kind of about cultural appropriation a little bit. And uh, there's also, of course, the subplot with her and Mina Suvari later on in the show where she becomes a bit of a lipstick lesbian. And, of course, that does not quite work out well. But the way that uh, Kristen looks at Shakrani's son uh, as this kind of, like, unicorn but wants to know everything immediately and so inquisitive and just like fascinated but for me it rang as almost um you know just a little too much you know just in general Kristen might just be a little too much and I don't know that this is setting us up for something but I feel like we might come to a point where um Shikrani's son comes to regret having let Kristen in on this that she's going to um, expect other people to be a little bit more cool with this or let it slip when that was not her place to do it. And I think some interesting tension could grow out of there. So uh, I dug the scene uh, overall, their interplay together. And uh, the school stuff getting a little bit more uh, tolerable, at least in this episode. Uh, she also has an interaction with the kid earlier. Uh, they meet at a party. Uh, uh, we don't have to go into detail. You saw the episode. It, do it doesn't end well for her, but she very uh, justly, you know, walks out and says, fuck you, and maintains that, even though it seems like she's going to be uh, potentially ostracized from the quote-unquote popular crowd. But I don't know that she's entirely concerned with that. So uh, moving right along, uh, as far as the episode description goes, our final one. So we got a lot to cover outside of what HBO uh, seems to think are kind of the, the highlights, if you will. Uh, but anyways, Ramon worries that he may have shared too much with Henry. Uh, Henry has been talking a lot in the last few episodes about not letting fear get the better of you, and he thinks that's a key element in how Ramon should be approaching all that he's dealing with, uh, potential mental illness, hallucinations, we don't know what, the whole 11-11 phenomenon. So, uh, they get into a conversation, essentially a tiff about technology, where Henry does not see why Ramon needs to disconnect and go inside these computers, which, you know, that's not reality to him. But Ramon, you know, continues to point out to him that 
this is where he feels comfortable. This is how he decompresses. This is where he works his shit out, so to speak. And, uh, you know, Henry still continues to push back a bit. And it basically builds to a moment where Ramon is like, this is what's keeping me sane. This is what's keeping me from turning into my Uncle Ike. And we get for the first time that he is, whether he's had it beat into his head just by Audrey over the years or whether he's had a lot of personal interactions with Uncle Ike, he is very shaken by the idea that he could end up like that. And, you know, for now, he feels like the game and working on all of that is part of what's maintaining his sanity. Speaking of that game, we see Shikrani playing it earlier in the episode. And there is a uh, a figure in the game uh, with a scarred back, very much like Shikrani himself. And I have got to shout out just the subtlety of this show. Uh, some have accused it of not being very subtle with its themes and some of its dialogue, but this is something that I know for a fact, <laughs> I'm staking a claim even though I, I do need to double check, I believe we saw this photo, this reference point, if you will, uh, which does hang above Ramon's computer monitor. I think we saw this as early as episode one, and it never occurred to me when we saw Shikrani scarred back in the previous episode that the two were connected, but they are in some way, and I don't know what that is, but I am. it, it was one of those things that I was like, okay, I feel like I need to go back and rewatch all of these episodes because maybe there's some more buried things going on in the background. Maybe it is building something that I've been somewhat unaware of. So, uh, anyways, the morning after uh, this kind of intense emotional conversation between Ramon and Henry, uh, Ramon wakes up seemingly at like, I don't believe it was 11. I really don't think it was 11, 11. But uh, it seemed like it was kind of the middle of the night or early morning. Anyways, Henry is uh, nowhere to be seen, but his cell phone is still there, conspicuously. And so Ramon is uh, noticeably freaking out. We'll get back to that in just a moment. So that is where the episode description proper ends. I guess the other things we need to hit. Uh, Duke uh, has a good bit of work in this episode. We get a little bit more on the upcoming book deal. He actually asked Greg to uh, write the foreword for it, finally, comes down to his office and has a very awkward and tense interaction with the TA, uh, who, of course, is very friendly and very much like the son that Greg never had, the white son that Greg never had. Let's be very, very specific about that, because I think that's where the tension <laughs> lies once again. Uh, so... That was a very tense scene. We also have uh, Duke trying to film his commercial earlier in the episode and also fending off the advances of uh, an adoring fan who seems very, very willing to uh, hook up. Some behavior that we're pretty sure we saw him engage in when he was in Canada, I believe, uh, talking with the authors initially. So, uh, but he declines and he opts for a, uh, a selfie for his Instagram to boost his followers because something he's very concerned about. 
uh, something I can somewhat relate to, uh, running a small podcasting network and website uh, with just a few friends. So, uh, again, a reminder right here within the episode. Uh, go listen, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, The RKB Network, on Twitter and Facebook, at The RKB, and, uh, of course, TheRKB.com, where you can find everything that we do. Subscribe to all the podcasts on Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, that is all the, you know, the selling I'm going to do for the rest of this episode, guys. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that's pretty much it for Duke. We also have Ashley and her husband. I continue to just refer to him as Ashley's husband. And they, uh, they're confronting the fact that they might be the worst parents in Portland because they can't even seem to string together a birthday party for their young daughter. So uh, they're scrambling throughout the episode, trying to figure all that out. Uh, we are also building a little bit more tension over some of Ashley's behavior and uh, that maybe the husband's taking it out a bit in interesting ways, uh, buying skis when he doesn't necessarily need to, uh, extravagant things like that. So anyways, they're scrambling around trying to plan the birthday party, and this essentially is our, our anchor point, or our destination for the for the episode. This is where we know we're headed. They decide to go to an old family stomping ground for a family picnic uh, up in the woods. So, uh, what else do we need to cover? Oh, uh, only my favorite element of this episode, and I think I, it's official, I can say it. Uh, Fareed Shakrani is my favorite character on Here and Now. Uh, at the moment. I think he is the most compelling character. I think he's the most uh, three-dimensional thus far. I think he's complicated and interesting in all the right ways. I think he is fantastically performed by Mr. Peter McDesey and extremely well-written, particularly in this episode. This was the the highlight for me. This is the uncomfortable dinner uh, with a uh, a white Muslim and... All of the tension you would expect to be there is on full display and acting fireworks as far as I was concerned. Uh, I thought Peter McDesey was brilliant in this sequence, uh, as well as his wife, uh, whose character name and actress name I am looking up right now because uh, I am scrambling with my phone, uh, just just bantering and, and riffing right here. Let's get to it. Episode four. Here we go. Uh, also of note, it's the highest rated episode thus far on IMDb with an eight out of ten. Anyways, uh, let's scroll through here. Yes, Miss, uh, and I ap apologize in advance for my atrocious uh, pronunciation of some names. Uh, but Miss Nekar Zedegan? Zedegan? Uh Again, Tara says sorry, uh, but she is Layla Shakrani, uh, Fareed's wife. She is brilliant in this, and basically they have uh, quite the tense dinner conversation. It never quite crosses over uh, to out-and-out -out blows or anything, but she's not pleased with him after this, and he's not pleased with uh, her making him go, essentially. She knows how he feels about these things. Why, why would she do that in his eyes? And this tension carries over to the next day where he does not want to engage with her. Uh, in an episode titled Hide and Seek, which has a literal game of hide and seek, uh, not to get too uh, artsy-fartsy with it, whatever you want to call it, but uh, you have you have Shikrani, uh hiding, you know, 
rather than engaging with his wife and trying to work past this. And this is a continuing point of tension. Uh, hit his wife's choice to engage with her religion, something that she feels very close to. Faith is something she needs. And of course the son, it's it's part of his life. But Shikrani is not uh, not okay with it. There's a, there's a lot of issues there. And I'm sure we're going to get more and more into them. And I can't wait to. Because again, this so far for me, this is the most compelling element. Uh, I, I enjoy the Greg and Audrey scenes more and more. I think they're great in this episode together. Once again, uh, I'm coming around a little bit more on some of the siblings. So it, you know, this was... I mentioned in the last episode, this might be my make or break episode. I'm definitely, as I told uh, Muhammad, again, Muhammad, if you're listening, uh, I'm fully on board for the rest of the season, man. I I can't wait to see where it goes. I am intrigued and confounded in all the right ways, as I told you. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's shaping up quite nicely. So, we we will move into the finale, if you will. Uh, Everything culminates at the uh, the birthday party for Ashley's daughter, and uh, everything's going great for the most part. Uh, we've narrowly avoided revealing uh, Greg's escort, uh, hidden lover, who he's tried to break things off with, when the uh, cock sling, not cock ring, cock sling, uh, was discovered by Kristen, if I'm not mistaken, who very quickly takes a picture. Duke immediately knows what it is shocking um and uh yeah so he narrowly avoids audrey figuring out what it is we find out that she's uh very pg apparently when it comes to sex and probably hasn't seen what most sex toys are i personally never never seen a coxling until this episode so yeah learn something new every day anyways uh so yeah we, we we planted the seed if you will uh two episodes ago I can't remember if that was episode two or three, honestly, but I, I told you I, I thought it would come back to bite him in the ass, and it hasn't quite yet. Uh, more on that in just a little bit, but uh, yeah, so they discover it. He plays it off and then does later tell her that it's a sex toy, and she sounds sounds interested in it and on board because, again, they've kind of been reinvigorated. Anyways, so the family is happy. Everybody's doing well. Uh, they're having fun, uh, blowing bubbles. This was where a lot of the promotional material for the show, uh, came from the sequence episode four. And, uh, yeah, eventually they move to a game of hide and seek. Ramon goes, uh, goes off into an area, goes into a, uh, a cement building, uh, an edifice out in the woods. And, uh, he has a, uh, pretty intense encounter, a vision of what we presume is his mother clawing her face, much like uh, Shikrani's mother had in the episode opener. And we also see a gentleman, we assume this is during the Colombian Revolution, which I am not well-versed in at all. Uh, I need to need to look up more details on what Ramon's possible background is. I'm sure we'll get more on it. But we see a, a very creepy soldier with an awesome-looking mask, and... Uh, yeah, Ramon literally has to leap through fire to get out of here, and yeah, he's noticeably shaken. This definitely puts a damper on the family party, and we're left in this moment of like sheer anxiety and fear and dread 
as we cut to credits. And yeah, so the visions are are getting more intense. I'm curious to see if Greg's visions will also intensify, potentially, whether you consider the deer a vision or not. It's up for debate. But anyways, that's where we leave things. And I did stick around for the uh, next time on. And I thought it was pretty interesting that they go ahead and reveal to you that Audrey's going to find out directly about Greg's affair and how she's going to do it uh, through the... uh, search engine and the email exchange uh, through the escort website, which she stumbles upon on his laptop. And I think it's while she's looking for funding and stuff, possibly. So, yeah, obviously, uh, I don't know if they'll sit on that, if they'll push that confrontation towards later in the season, if she's, you know, what she's going to do with that information. I'm really interested to see. But I like where we're at. Uh, Again, for me right now, the Shikrani element, far more compelling uh, outright than the, than the boat race stuff. It's just more what I'm responding to. and But at the same time, I'm coming around more on the siblings. Uh, I'm interested to get to know more about Duke and his inner workings. Still not totally sold on Ashley's husband, their whole family dynamic. Uh, but we'll see. The Kristen stuff, I could go, I could take it or leave it at this point. And the Ramon element uh, continues to be very, very strong. I like the relationship with Henry. I'm curious what happened to him. I hope we get more on that, of course, and I'm sure we will. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I will say, reinvigorated, excited to uh, roll into this coming Sunday when it will be fresh episodes for most of the uh, critics out there who got the initial four. Uh, so fresh eyes. Hopefully this is where we can start turning some people around. Hopefully more people have gotten on board with the show and the podcast at this point. Again, I would love some feedback from anybody who's been listening, if you're interested. Uh, And again, I I can't thank you enough, Mr. Mohamed Omasri, if you are listening, sir. That email absolutely made my day, made my week. Uh, Just, that's awesome. You got to understand, small podcasting network here we got like six shows started about a year ago it's just me my brother a friend from high school slash college and my cousin at the moment just a four-man staff doing it for the love of the game we don't get paid here that's part of why you know i couldn't get around to recording necessarily when i wanted to we had to make time for some some movie and music arc related stuff but again i promised you i'm here every week and uh hopefully and i'm gonna i'm going to try not to overpromise, but the plan will be to get episode five up almost immediately by Monday or Tuesday, guys. Uh, that's what I'm planning on. Yell at me about it on Instagram. Yell at me on Twitter, wherever, uh, and email thearchivy at gmail.com if you have any feedback on this episode or any ponderances on uh, where the show's going, future episodes, where you want to see it go, and uh, who are your favorite characters at this point? Uh, who are you responding to? So let me know. Again, more details on a uh, possible future guest, Mr. Muhammad El-Masri, and I'll let you know if we have any more email correspondence. If you have any questions for him, maybe we can go ahead and plan those out or send some his way, get some feedback now, and then uh, 
we'll, we can save some for when we eventually get them on the cast. So look forward to that and look forward to episode five dropping very shortly after the episode airs. Again, my apologies. Uh, go check out the other shows that we did record this week. And uh, thank you for your continued support of all of the Arc of E's endeavors, particularly the TV Arc. Uh, thank you for listening here. Again, tell a friend, listen, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, until next time, I have been Noah, and this has been our coverage of Here and Now, Season 1, Episode 4, entitled Hide and Seek. Until next time, people, remember, live in the here and now. Catch me laughing, catch me drinking past the